0: Okay, uh, last week uh, we talked about hands, and we asked the question, what will we do with our hands in this new year? And we said, instead of wringing our hands in fear and sadness, we should fold them in prayer and ask God to put his hands around our quaking heart and calm us. And let us take his hand and let him lead us through our troubled path and guide us with his assurance. And we said instead of clenching our fists in anger and letting that take control of our heart and mind, we should fold them in prayer and ask God to pull us back from the brink of hatred and malice and revenge and self-serving feelings of uh, superiority and instead find our value in Him. And we said that instead of uh, shaking our finger in judgment and looking down on others, we should feel the hand of God touching us with His mercy and forgiveness and lifting us from our failures. And instead of waving our hand in disregard for others because we don't want to be bothered, we should remember how God reached out to us when we were his enemies and that we should be his hands in this world, loving the unlovely, caring for the weak. Now, this morning, I want to take this a step further and suggest to you that before we can do these things, before we can stop living in fear and sadness, before we can stop letting anger control us, before we can stop being judgmental, before we can stop looking at others as just being a bother before we can use our hands as God wants him, us to use them in this new year, there's something we're going to have to do. And if we fail to do this, we will not be able to have the life we want to have in this new year because probably nothing's going to change. Now, what I want to share with you this morning is very similar to something that I shared in a message a few months ago. But we're going to look at it from a little different perspective as we think about this new year and opening the page. It's kind of starting over. So before we get to this, let's go to our Father in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the new year. We do thank you for the opportunity we have to make changes in the way we live, the way we conduct our lives. Father, it's always a challenge for us in our humanity. We are weak. Uh, We fail often. And often when we have the best intentions, uh, we do not live up to those intentions. And yet, Father, we know that you love us and you call us forward. Always you call us forward. Always you call us to change for the better, to work harder. And so as we consider this this morning, Father, I hope that you will open our eyes, open our hearts, help us to do this one thing, because it impacts us in so many different ways. And we ask you, Father, in your Son's name. Amen. The title of my message This morning is once again hands, but there is a subtitle. The subtitle is learning to truly let go. Someone has said to heal your wound, you need to stop touching it. And that is the essence of our problem, isn't it? We tell ourselves we're going to to be different. We're going to do something different. We're going to let go of something. But then we turn around and we pick it up again. Something has happened in our life. Something that maybe hurt us. Something that made us angry. Something happened that we wish... Well, we wish we had done something. Or maybe we wish we had not done something. Something crushed our dreams. Something turned our world upside down. Whatever it is, it is a painful wound. And it doesn't seem to heal. And the reason it's not healing is that we keep touching it. We keep going back to it and living it all over again. We keep rubbing it into our hearts. We keep using it as a weapon against someone else when we're upset. Or we keep using it to belittle ourselves. Let me repeat that quote. To heal your wound, you need to stop touching it. The question, of course, is how? I can't seem to stop. How? What do we need to do in order to stop pressing our finger into that wound over and over again? How do we truly let go? So what we're going to do now is take a brief look at three passages of Scripture. Which I believe shed light on this. And after we briefly consider them, we're going to ask a question. When it's all said and done, this question is really the crux of the matter. So then, let's consider the following passages. First of all, from Isaiah chapter 43 which we'll look at in just a moment. In this passage, the setting is God talking to Israel through Isaiah about their rebirth, about them becoming what God wants them to be. Because of their their disobedience, God has allowed them to be conquered by other nations But now God wants to grant them grace. He wants to raise them up again. And so he tells them, don't look at the past. Don't dwell on the past. Don't keep going back in your minds. It's time to let all the past go. He tells them that he's going to do something new something new, something good is going to spring forth. Let me read this passage to you. Isaiah 43, beginning at verse 18. He says, Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. And then he poses a pivotal question, and it's pivotal for us as well. And here's the question. He says, will you not be aware of it? Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? So why wouldn't they be aware of it? Why wouldn't they be aware of the good thing, the new thing that God is bringing into their lives? Here it is. They won't be aware if they're holding on to the past if they're letting their minds be controlled by the past, if they're bringing the past into the present and reliving it there, if they were constantly turning their heads to the past, they could not see the new and the good that God has prepared for them and placed in their lives. And it's a pivotal question for each of us. What good things are we missing? or maybe even taking for granted because we keep our minds in the past. Why do we lament and wallow in self-pity because we think the grass was or maybe could have been greener in the past instead of watering the grass that God has put you in now? What good things has God given us that we are not appreciating in the here and now because we keep choosing to go back to the past? Perhaps God is saying to us today, Are you even aware? And if you are aware, why do you choose to throw what God has given you to the side and turn back and pick up? What lies in the past? Let me make an observation about the past. It's an obvious one, but let me make the point anyway. There is only one thing you can hold on to from the past memories. That's the only thing in the past that you can hold on to memories. Everything else is gone. It is absolutely gone. It doesn't exist anymore. You're in the present now. But imagine your memories are like pictures hanging on your bedroom wall. And every night before you go to bed, you look at all those memories. And the first thing when you wake up in the morning, you look at all those memories. Why, why, why would you want to go to sleep and wake up looking at bad memories? We must learn to cling to the good memories and let the bad ones go. God said to the Israelites will you be aware of it? The new that I'm bringing into your life the good that I'm bringing into your life the change that I'm bringing into your life will you even be aware of it? And that's the question for us. Will we be aware? Are we aware? Or are we missing it? Or even ignoring it in order to to dwell in the past. The second passage is Romans 8:28. Very familiar passage to us. In fact, uh, we studied this passage not too long ago when we had our series on uh, scriptures that are misunderstood or misapplied. And I'm not going to go into a whole lot of that, but I do want to touch on it this morning. I noted that for some, well let me read that passage again just to make sure we all remember what we're talking about here. Paul writes, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. We know that God causes all things to work for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. I noted then, when we studied this before, that for some, this is like a proof text for that saying that we always hear, everything happens for a reason. The implication being that God causes everything to happen because he has a reason. If that were true, that would mean two things. Number one, God is the author of pain and tragedy. When that car runs the stop sign and broadsides a young family and kills them all, we'd be saying, well, God did that because he had a reason. Someone breaks into a home and murders the family. Well, God did that because he had a reason. No. God is not the author of pain and misery. The second thing, it would effectively make free will non-existent. (coughs) But we have free will. Otherwise, we couldn't choose God. At least we couldn't choose him on the basis of love. We would choose him because we had to. The truth is, there is a reason everything happens, but that's not the same as saying everything happens for a reason. Because we do have free will, everything that happens on the human level happens because someone has exercised their free will, which has caused something to happen, good or bad. The point of Romans 8.28 is that whatever happens, whatever happens, God is working for your good in it. What happened may not be good, but because you love him and you've been called for his purposes, Somehow, some way, God will use, He'll be working in that to bring about good in your life. Now the immediate context of Romans 8.28 is that God has prepared an eternity for us. He wants to glorify us and give us eternal life with Him. And that's the good He's going to work toward no matter what happens in our life if we love him, if we've been called to his purposes, whatever happens in our lives, he's going to move us. He's going to do good to get us to where he wants us, what he's called us to. But let's put this in the context of letting go of the past. Yes, something bad has happened. Something hurtful has happened. But even so, because you love him, because you, he has called you to his purpose, in some way he will bring something good into your life that would not have otherwise happened. Let's say something bad has happened to you maybe it was caused by some terrible event maybe it was caused by a person and because it happened because this happened this event or this person did something because it happened your life went in a different direction a different direction than it would than it would have if that had not happened And because it did, God brought something good or maybe someone special into your life. And that thing or that person would never have been a part of your life if God had not worked for your good in the midst of what happened to you. If God has done this for you, the question must be raised. Why are you dwelling on the hurt and the pain of the past? Why are you going back to that when God has given you something you would not have had, something good you would not have had if that had not happened? Why are you dragging the past into the present God has made for you And let it spoil the good God gave you. Whatever has happened, because you love him, God is working for your good. Don't spoil it. Let that go. Let the past go and take joy in what God has brought to you. The third passage is Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. The Apostle Paul is writing, he says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it, yet, but one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We're going to end this study on a slightly different level. In this passage, Paul makes it clear He has not arrived. (laughs) He's not perfect. He has not arrived. Now take note. Paul started out as a non-believer. He was opposed to Jesus and his followers. In fact, he oversaw the stoning of those who claimed To follow Christ. Paul was not on God's side. He was an enemy of the cross. But God changed him. God forgave him. And enlisted him in his army. And Paul became an evangelist for the cause of Christ. It was Paul, the former enemy of the cross, who was now writing to these churches and encouraging them and instructing them and challenging them to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. Now, Paul obviously knew his past. He knew what he was. He knew what he had done. He knew what had happened to him. And he could have dwelt on his failure. He could have focused on his mistakes. He could have held on to and lamented his past. He could have wallowed in self-pity. He could have put himself down. He could have dwelt on that bad person that he was. In other words, he could have let his past control his present, and take his eyes off his future. Instead, he said, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. My friends, if Paul, who killed Christians, could let go of the past and focus on becoming what God was calling him to be, how can we think our failures are such that we can't let go of them and reach forward to what God has in store for us and to take joy in what we have in the present hands, in order to do and be what God has called us to do and be. We need to learn to let go of the past, embrace the here and now, and reach for the future he has for us. We all have a past, some of it's bad. But we all need to learn to say goodbye to the past. And we all need to understand, get this, we all need to understand there is good in goodbye. That question I mentioned at the beginning is simply this. When will you let go? of the past. Heavenly Father, as easy as this is to say, the challenge is in doing it. You have set us free, Father. You've set us free from sin. You've set us free from our mistakes. you set us free from all the wrong in our life. Help us not to turn back to it. Help us not to keep touching the wound. Help us to live joyously in where you have us now. Help us to water the grass in our life now. Help us to be thankful and live thankfully for where you have us now and what you're calling us to. Help us keep our eyes looking forward all the good that you want to bring. Father, we thank you for loving us, for changing us. Help us to appreciate it and live like it. And we ask it in your son's precious name. Amen.